Well, good morning and welcome to Rimrock Church. We want especially a wel welcome to Hillard Gang from Texas, all the way from Texas you drove up here. So welcome those guys. And we're just going to lift up Jesus this morning, enjoy each other, enjoy the Lord's presence. Amen. Let's do this. Rejoice, 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 
Yeah, thank you, Lord. I bring an offering of worship to my King. And no one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you do. <coughs> oh Lord, I bring an offering to you. Sing to him, sing. Over the skies of Bethlehem appears star, while angels sang to the holy shepherds. Three wise men seeking truth travel from afar, hoping to find a child from heaven.
we bring an offering to you, Lord. Okay, you guys may be seated, and there he is, Mr. Foley. Sorry, I didn't put together a song for you, Drew. That's fine. That's just fine. Hey, good morning, and Merry Christmas. Hey, I got a couple helpers up here to help me this morning. I'm Drew Foley. Uh, I'm one of the elders here at Rimrock. And I've got Audrey here, my fourth grader, and Hadley, my first grader. My older one decided not to help out. She was fine just taking a pass this morning. So a couple announcements for you. Uh, if you're new to Rimrock, uh, we do have a, a connection card in the seat back in front of you, if you wouldn't mind filling that out and turning that into our uh, welcome desk in the back lobby area. Uh, we'd love to get to know you more, and there is a gift um, as well that we'd like to give you. Uh, this week, it's Christmas week. Uh, we have a Christmas Eve service, a couple services coming up on Friday. Audrey, what time are those services? 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock. All right, 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock, and that's at both campuses, so up here and downtown at our um, downtown location. Um, Hadley, you can hold up that card here. This is just an information card that you can get back there if you want to invite a few people. Uh, so that they know when and where uh, for our Christmas Eve service. So you can grab some of those on your way out today. Uh, we also need uh, any volunteers that could help out. Uh, these uh, forms are in the back as well. So if you're around and available and would like to help out, uh, please fill this out and, and turn it in at our welcome desk as well so that we can uh, uh, get you uh, some work on Friday for our Christmas Eve service. Um, I believe that's all the announcements I have. Let's, let's pray as we uh, continue our worship this morning. Lord, just thank you for this time that we get together. Thank you for this week, um, just the gift of Christmas. And we just pray uh, over the rest of this service that we can just uh, honor you and just uh, slow down and, and just take in all that uh, this, this time has to offer. Um, help us just to... Um, engage in worship and in your word today and we just uh, pray for a, a great week as people get to celebrate and spend time with family and friends and just look forward to uh, the work that you're going to do in our lives in your name we pray amen good job girls carried the old man that was good
This baby boy will grow to be a man and one day die for me and you. My sin would drive the nails in you. That rugged cross was my cross too. Still every breath you drew was hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 
Amen. I forgot to do something earlier. I think we should do it right now. Don't you think, Hannah? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> she has to agree with the boss. <laughs> oh, come, let's adore him. Oh, come, let's be seated. Wow, it's hard to talk after that song, hearing you sing a cappella, come let us adore him. And I was so blessed this morning. Uh, uh, I was at the door and uh, Tom Schroeder walked in uh, looking really dapper, looking really good and said, I, I dressed for a king this morning, uh, bringing his best. And that just, that blessed me. And, and that's, all, that's all we can do is bring what God has given us, bring our best, because Jesus is worthy as we've... By the way, have you enjoyed Philippians? Hasn't it been awesome? I, I thought when we planned this out, 12 weeks felt like a long time, but it's, it's not felt long enough. I want to stay here because it's been so rich, but Paul talks about the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. He's worthy. He's worthy of our lives. He's worthy of everything that we are because He is life. Um, I woke up early this morning uh, before, uh, before 4.30 and, and I just felt so excited because God has been stirring something in me to, to share with you this morning out of his word and so thankful that God has revealed himself in the word of God. The word of God is, is uh, our bread, it's our life, it's what nourishes us in this time. We need what God says because this world is crazy. Have you felt that? <laughs> it's crazy, right? We need something solid, firm, that we can trust. And that's what God has given us in his word. Something trustworthy, a foundation to build our lives upon. And so God has spoken. He's revealed himself. And so this morning, uh, we are finishing the book of Philippians. And uh, so this is our final message in Philippians. In the new year, we're going to go into the book of Judges. And... Um, 
you know, God is, God is so good in the timeliness of how he reveals himself. And I th- I've just felt, it's, Philippians is so timely. I think Judges is going to be timely as well. God has some good words for us in that book as well. But would you join me this morning in honor of God's word? Would you stand as we read these final uh, verses in chapter 4? And it will be on the screen as well. And we just stand in honor of God's word, what he's revealed here in chapter 4, starting in verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire gifts, What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment, have more than enough. I'm amply supplied. Now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. For to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all of God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send their greetings. And all God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. And the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you in your spirit. Amen. You may be seated. So I was thinking as we come to the conclusion of Philippians, what could I say about this whole book? And and there's so much to say. But I think one thing as, I, as, it, as it boils down is, is Paul had a passion for the church of Jesus Christ. And you see that in the personal nature of this letter. These are people that Paul loved. He dearly loved them. And they dearly loved Paul. They had relationship. And I think about the church and, and what makes the church the church. And as a pastor, I, I think one of the, the frustrations I have, even in myself and us, is a lot of times we have errant ideas of the church or errant ideas of what God wants to do through the church. And so, so one of the challenges for us is to come back to God's word and say, what does God say about us? What has he called us to be and to, to, to be the church? And so one of the keys that, that I've walked away from Philippians that is so rich and so powerful is what Paul talks about here at the very end, that the, the church is God's people in Christ Jesus. Did you see that in verse 21? All of God's people, God's people in Christ Jesus. You see, if we see the church as anything but the people of God, it's not a building, it's not a service we come to, it's the people of God. And what defines us? being in Christ Jesus. 
So if we put anything else at the center, whether it's a pastor or music <laughs> or a certain conviction or a certain, any idea that's not Jesus, then that's not the church. The church is found in Christ Jesus. And if there is one central truth to this letter, is that Jesus Christ is Lord. <laughs> he is Lord, and he is worthy, and he has called us by name to be his people. And that's where our value comes from. That's where the value of every person in Christ comes. It's from Jesus. And so I think as we look at the Philippian church, we see something so powerful, so beautiful in that God is building his people. He's building his body. He's building his kingdom through his people. And we are called to be that. We are called to be a people in Christ Jesus. And I love how Paul refers to him in verse 21 as brothers and sisters. What's so interesting about that is you don't get to choose who your brothers and sisters are, <laughs> right? It'd be a lot easier if we could, right? We would have a designer family, right? But it doesn't work that way. We don't get to choose. God chooses. And sometimes we don't like our brothers and sisters. I, I fought a lot with my brothers growing up, <laughs> right? There's conflict. There's sometimes disagreement. There's different opinions. And we've experienced that these few years as our society is being torn apart. Even within the body of Christ, we have so many different convictions, so many different ideas. But if our identity is in Christ, and if we are truly brothers and sisters, bound together by the blood of Jesus. Jesus gave his blood so that we could be called by his name and be part of his family. Then our fellowship, our relationship goes much deeper than just convictions or ideas or opinions or even just attending the same service. It is, we are blood bound by the blood of Jesus as brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, Paul's view of the church is, is deep, <laughs> it's profound. It's, it shakes us, and it shakes our world. It's a powerful way that God wants to reveal himself to this world. And so the church is a central idea, and it's found in Jesus Christ. And so as we go through Philippians, there's so many different um, ideas that we come into and see, but the other major thing I, I, I find that... that has impacted me so deeply as I've studied this book, and we see it even in the verses we read this morning, um, especially in context of last week's message that Nick gave about thinking, right? If you go up to verse 8 of chapter 4, to think about whatever is true, noble, whatever is right. This word, phineo, the Greek word to think, is found throughout the book of Philippians. In fact, Paul uses it more in Philippians than any other book because God wants to transform us. He wants to lead us out of our, uh, our natural condition, condition, which Paul says is, is driven by selfish ambition, pride, vain conceit. That is the, the, the natural sinful condition. And what does that do? It destroys relationships. It destroys everything that is good that God intended. And so God, in Jesus Christ, is transforming us and making us into the kind of people like Jesus who served and gave himself, humbly obeyed the Father. But the challenge with selfish ambition and vain conceit is that our thinking has to be transformed. And the thinking is not just thinking, but it's our practice, it's our attitude. 
And so how do we think about our relationships? How do we think about other people? Is a central theme within Philippians, right? Because God wants to produce something. He wants to reveal something. He wants to give us something. Nick talked about the gift of peace and how God wants to give us. Throughout Philippians, we learn about joy. God wants to give us joy. He wants to give us freedom. He wants to give us unity. But our thinking, our attitude, our practice has to change. And so God is doing that in his people found in Christ. C.S. Lewis uh, wrote a series of books for children, but they're, they're profound in so many ways. And uh, I've read them all to my kids, and I've read them many times. I encourage you to read them because there's so many uh, interesting insights into the Christian life in those books. But in the Chronicles of Narnia, the final book is called The Last Battle. And in it, Paul, uh, or, or, or C.S. Lewis, paints the picture of the new creation because this world is, is, is being destroyed by evil. And we see this throughout the Bible, right? God's intention to create all things new. And so in this moment, this key moment where the old Narnia, the old world is being destroyed and, 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 and God and the character Aslan is making all things new. And so there's this transition into this glorious new reality, this new creation. And within that, uh, he spends like two pages just, just describing the beauty of it all, <laughs> the wonder of it all. The, the world that God is creating is so magnificent. And he describes the fruit that they were pulling off the trees and eating. It was so rich. But in that paradise, there was a group of dwarves. And throughout the story, these dwarves have said, we're not serving God. We're not serving anyone. The only people we serve is ourselves. Selfish ambition. Do you remember that through Philippians? And so they rejected God's way, and, and yet they ended up in this place of paradise. But they're sitting in a circle, and the, the sun is glorious, and everything is beautiful, everything is perfect, yet they're sitting in a circle, and they're complaining. <laughs> and the children approach them, and they begin to say, don't you see the flowers, don't you see the sun, the trees, the mountains, the beauty, do you smell the glorious aroma in the air? And these dwarves say, no, we're in a dark dengue stable and all we smell is manure and uh, Lucy put flour in their nose they said why are you putting straw in our nose and they were fighting and grumbling and complaining and angry and the children were like don't you see the glory around you don't you see everything that God has done everything that's been given and created new and they couldn't see it they couldn't see it their thinking had been darkened. And Paul talks about this in Romans 1, that part of the curse of sin is our thinking becomes darkened. We become selfish. We become so centered on ourselves that we cannot see the glory of what God wants to give us. And so I think this is a beautiful picture of what Paul is describing in the book of Philippians. And I love what Nick said last week. It's not that we ignore the bad. <laughs> we see the trouble. Paul is writing from prison, right? He's writing from a dark place. He's probably chained to a prison guard. He doesn't have uh, food or water. In fact, he was dependent on others to bring a lot of that to him. And so he was in a dark situation. Yet God had transformed his thinking, and he saw the glory of God. He saw everything he had in Christ. And that's why he says in verse 10, I greatly rejoice. <laughs> I greatly rejoice. And he said that over and over. And he talks about peace. He talks about contentment. How is it possible? Because his mind had been opened. And he could see what God was creating. 
what God was making. And he's inviting us to see the way God sees the world. And it's not that there's not trouble. In fact, in Philippians, it says not only are we called to believe in Christ, we're called to suffer for him. And so suffering is, is a normal aspect of our life here on earth, or a normal aspect of following Jesus. We're not to expect anything different. But if our mind has been transformed, if our thinking has been transformed, if our attitude has been transformed, we go through it much differently. Like Paul, as Paul says, follow my example. And he says, look at Timothy and Epaphroditus. And he also said, look at Jesus, the ultimate example. How did he face the cross? He did not consider equality with something to be used to his own advantage, right? To grasp. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. And so Jesus shows us a new way, <laughs> a different way to go through suffering, a different way to go through difficulty. And so what is the example of Jesus? He was obedient to God. He was obedient to God. He trusted in God's goodness and purpose, no matter what the circumstance. Instead of arguing and complaining with grievance and disappointment, he said, no, God is good. His way is good. He trusted in God. He was humble, and he was willing to serve and lay aside his own glory, his own rights. He was able to lay that aside. Instead of selfish ambition, what do we see in Jesus? We see ultimate generosity. He laid his life down for the good of others, for a greater glory. But I love in Philippians 2, it's not just that he humbled himself. It's not that he just went to the cross. There was vindication. There was glory. God is making something out of this. He's not asking you to lay down your life just for no reason. There is a greater purpose. There's a greater glory. There's a greater reward. And so it says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. He's exalted. He's glorious. He's Lord over all things. There's exaltation. And so there's an example for us to follow. There's a way for us to be as followers of Christ, in Christ. Um, there was a period in my life in Minnesota where God called us to uh, plant a church. And in that time, um, I needed to work several other jobs. And one of the jobs I got, and, and we were working among very, very poor uh, people with very few material needs. And so one of the jobs um, that I felt like the Lord asked me to do was to work in the Salvation Army. And so as part of that role, I got to interview thousands of people who were going through crisis, extreme difficulty, um, struggling with poverty, uh, a lot of, lot, of, lot of hard things. And so in that year, I, I learned so much, and, and I had so many opportunities to share uh, the hope of Christ and the gospel in that. But I began to notice a pattern after years, or a year, a little over a year of listening to these stories and, and, and finding out what people needed. And, and a lot of times the, the financial difficulties or the crisis were symptoms of other things. And, and I could relate to, to some of these things. But at the very root, I always noticed that there were broken relationships. Broken relationships, whether it was abandoned by parents or or relationships with, in marriage or other ways or in workplace relationships or whatever the, the issue was, there was always broken relationships. And when I read Philippians and you go back to chapter 2, verse 5, it says, in your relationships to one another, have the same mindset, the same attitude as Christ Jesus. And so one of the clear, most evident 
things that we know about the curse of sin in our world is broken relationships. And we see it. And we see the pain of it. Because we were never created to be alone. (laughs) To be self-sufficient, self-sustaining. We were created to be in relationship with God and relationship with one another. That's how we are designed. God made us to be in relationship. And when there's broken relationships, it fractures. It fractures our own hearts, our own lives, and it fractures everything around us. And so God has a different way for us, and this is part of the transformation. And so throughout Philippians, we see the fruits of relationships that are in Christ. What are they? There's unity. You cannot have unity without this humility and this way of Jesus. When we have that way, it creates unity. It creates the possibility for relationship with others. There's freedom. (laughs) There's freedom. There's joy. And there's peace. This is the way of Jesus. And if we go apart from Christ and we begin to see the effects of sin, you don't see any of that stuff. You don't see unity. You don't see freedom. You don't see joy. You don't see peace. It's really interesting, in that time while I was working in the Salvation Army hearing all these stories, I was also uh, planting a church and so I was working with people who were also materially very impoverished, had almost no money, no resources. Yet there was something very different I was experiencing with those people. You know what the difference was? They had Christ. (laughs) They had Christ. They didn't have money, but they had Christ. And what I saw is God restoring relationship. I saw marriages that were showing a way of service and love and sacrifice for the good of other parents, sacrificing for their kids. And here's the thing that shocked me as a pastor. I remember a couple uh, who had come to Christ and I had gotten to baptize them and they were growing in Christ and they had very little materially but they were starting a business. And I remember one Sunday they came in, they had a check and they said, said God told us we want to give this to the church because we love Jesus so much. I knew they didn't have any furniture. <laughs> they didn't have any furniture, but they came with a gift because they said, we love Jesus and we have something to give to him. That, that shocked me. It, it opened my eyes to the power of the gospel. Even though they had so little, they had something to give. And they saw the worth of Jesus and they were so blessed to give. They wanted to give. And so think about that. On one side, I'm interviewing people who have, have so much brokenness and, and they're just asking. And then on the other side, I'm seeing people who also have very little, but they're saying, we want to give. What's the difference? This is what Paul is talking about. It says in verse 11, I am, I am in need. I am in need. But I've also learned to be content whatever the circumstances. You see the power of that? <laughs> How Jesus changes our thinking, our mindset, we may be in circumstances where we have very little. It may be we're in a challenging season of life. It may be that we're struggling with different things. But in Jesus, the possibility is there to have peace, to have joy, to have contentment, and even generosity. And so here we see a church, the Philippian church, that Paul is saying is an example. Now, I've thought a lot about this as going through Philippians is like, what are, God, what are you asking me to do personally as a, hu- as a husband, as a father? How, do, how can I walk in the way of Jesus? And he's, he's been faithful. He's been showing me some ways I need to, to, to let go of selfish ambition towards my kids, towards my wife. 
Um, we're involved in youth sports, and so God's been showing me some things that I need to do in the, in there. But he's also been saying, as a pastor, what does Rimrock Church need to look like? How do, we, how do we follow the example of the Philippians? And one of the things that God laid on our hearts as elders going through Philippians is that, that we wanted to use the fall Philip to give to our missionaries. Just like the Philippian church they were concerned for Paul, right? He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you at least were concerned about me. You cared about me. <laughs> and they gave to him not just once, but multiple times. And so, guys, I am so blessed by you. <laughs> I'm so thankful to be part of Rimrock Church because at Fall Philip, we raised over $50,000 for our missionaries because <laughs> we just wanted to say, we care about you. We're for you. In Christ, we have something to give, to share with you. And then with our Lebanon project, we raised over 5,000. Praise God. Isn't that amazing that God is working in you and me and us together that we can be the kind of church that can give unselfishly, not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of God's kingdom, the gospel going forward? Paul said, you partnered with me in the gospel. I'm so blessed by that. I'm so thankful that, that we are learning from the example of the Philippian church that we're putting into practice what God is revealing to us here, that we can be unselfish as a church, that we can give generously out of what God has given us. So how do we think about our needs? Paul has some, some very specific things to talk about here, because we all have needs. I have needs, we all have needs, and I think that's good. We are created dependent on God and each other, and that's good for us. It's not good to be alone. It's not good to try to figure it out all around. We need each other. That's how God designed us. He gives us strength in Christ, strength in each other. And so how do we think about our needs? So what does Paul say? In Christ, we have everything we, that everything is available to, for us. We do not lack, we have enough. We have enough. And so in our need, we have enough. There's a way that Paul says our thinking can be transformed so that even in our needs, we can be content and we can be satisfied with what God does give us. And so this is a very powerful thing. I think this will help us. This will help you. This will help me. This will give us what we need to be able to get through the hard times <laughs> when we feel so uh, acutely the crisis that we're in or the struggles that we're in, we can remember what, what Paul says, that I am amply supplied. I have received enough. <laughs> Christ is enough. I think this is a powerful thing. And when we see that in each other, it gives us strength, right? It gives us strength to go forward. We have strength to say, God is enough. This encourages us. This encourages one another. We have humility, we have gratitude, we have contentment, and we can go forward. So I remember uh, when I was in high school, I, uh, I, my parents were in Venezuela, and uh, we went on a vacation to this beach area, and it was, uh, it was awesome. There was no hotels, there was no tourist site, it was just almost untouched. There was a few little houses around, and it was about the most perfect beach setting you can imagine, that's what it looked like perfect water, perfect sand, mountains, rivers coming into the, the, the clear blue uh, Caribbean water. It was an amazing, amazing place. And I remember uh, 
been there, and there was a little house right on the shore, just the front door walked right out into the beach, and, and the owner of that house came out, and he wanted to talk to me, and so we were talking a little bit, and the whole time he was complaining. <laughs> he was complaining, and he said, I don't want to, I, I want to do this, I want to do that, and I wish, I wish this was like this, I wish that was like that. And I, I thought about C.S. Lewis and those dwarves sitting in, the, <laughs> in this paradise, like, this is paradise. And I just looked at this guy in amazement. But God did something in that, because something birthed in my heart. I was just a young man, but I said, God, I never want to be like this guy. Because <laughs> I told him, I said, you know how many people in the world would give everything to live where you live? <laughs> like, you live in paradise. This is beautiful. This is perfect. And God tested me with that, because <laughs> I spent 14 winters in Minnesota. <laughs> 14 long winters. <laughs> and you can talk to my wife, you can ask her how I did, if I complained a lot or if I was content, right? But God did something in me in that moment. In Venezuela, as a high school student, I never want to be, I want to be content. I want to see the beauty, I want to see the good. I want to see that you're enough, no matter how much I feel I lack or I need, or it feels like it's not the way I want, that I have everything I need. And there's beauty and there's goodness. In Christ, we have so much. And so generosity is more than just giving money and material things. I think that's expressed in our money. I think money is a it reveals our hearts, it reveals our treasure. Jesus talked more about money than almost anything else. But this is really an attitude, it's a way of being. Generosity is willing to give more than just money, it's willing to give the benefit of the doubt. It's willing to give grace to others. It's thinking the best of someone. It's willing to give forgiveness when even someone wrongs you. It's willing to give your time, your service, your energy, just to listen to someone. And so, generosity of our money comes from a generosity of thinking, a generosity of way of being, right? And so as we become generous in Christ, just like the Philippian church, just like ultimately Jesus was generous, think about it. Jesus didn't have a lot of money, <laughs> but he was the most generous person who's ever lived. People came and were flocked to Jesus because he had so much to give. He gave of himself, right? He gave his heart, he gave his life, he gave his love to others. And so, in Jesus, we all have enough to share. <laughs> we all have something to share. I think of those, that little boy who brought his loaves and fish. It's all he had, right? But it was enough, and it becomes part of our worship. That's what Paul is saying here. He says there are fragrant offering in verse um, 18, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. So really, this is about worship, isn't it? And it goes much deeper than just coming to church or giving an offering. It, it deals with our hearts. It deals with who we are and who God created us to be. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up, but I want to end with this example because I think Philippians is ultimately a Christmas letter. <laughs> and that's partly why I think God called us to go through Philippians as we come into Christmas season, because at the very center of the Philippian letter is the incarnation. God became man. Jesus was born. And I think about the Christmas story, and I, I can't help but think about Mary. And I think Mary 
is an example to us of what Paul's talking about in Philippians. And I think about Mary because she didn't have a lot of resources. In fact, um, I think about Mary and how scary that would be to be a young woman and here she is pregnant, unmarried, and in that culture, in that setting, not a lot of resources, her whole future. Just think about everything Mary had to give up. It's a lot. But Mary never talks about that. <laughs> in fact, when the angel came to her and told her God's plan, she says, let it be. I am here to serve the Lord. I'm here to, I'm his servant. But I was reading this week and thinking about Mary's song in Luke chapter 1, and I want to read it to you this morning because everything we see in Philippians, this way of humility, this way of service, of giving, of rejoicing, worship, trusting in God, we see in Mary. This is Mary's song. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord. That's what, that's what Paul says at the end of the letter to our God and Father, be glory forever and over. See, see Mary understood that she wasn't the center, that God was at the center of it all. That life wasn't ultimately about her, it was about God. <laughs> And that's what Philippians is inviting us to. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in my God, my Savior. Isn't that what Paul says? I rejoice greatly in the Lord. See, joy for Mary wasn't rooted in her circumstances. It was rooted in God. And so she could rejoice. For he has been mindful of me. Mary knew that God's intentions, his purpose was good. <laughs> it wasn't to harm her. And she was gonna suffer. I mean, here she was, pregnant. She had to go to Bethlehem. She had to give birth in this little terrible place. And then she had to be a refugee in Egypt. I mean, it was terrible circumstances. But she says, God is good. His purposes are good for me. And that's my prayer this morning, is that you would know that no matter what you're going through, God's purposes for you are good. He's mindful of you. Of the humble state of his servant, Mary was humble. But hear what she says. There's vindication. There's victory. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. You see, Mary wasn't just trapped in her circumstance. She wasn't complaining. She was saying, God has a purpose, and it's for my good, and it's, there's a glorious end to this. There's victory. And so whatever you're going through, whatever I'm going through, the end is glorious. It's good. There's a new creation. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to all who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. You see, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, and he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, and he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised. God is good. God is worthy. And this is what Paul ends this letter in saying that Jesus is of surpassing worth. His glory is our greatest treasure. And if we find that our life is in Christ, he'll take care of everything else. <laughs> Lord, may that be true of us today. As we worship you this morning, Lord, there's a spiritual battle raging for our souls. The devil wants us to be caught up in ourselves, to be proud, proud, to complain, to argue, to try to get our way. 
Yet, Jesus, you're showing us a new way, and you're making it possible. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for the life that you give us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to reflect your way, just like Mary did 2,000 years ago when she got the news that she was going to be the mother of the Messiah. Lord, I pray that we too would rejoice and that we are called sons and daughters of the living God. We are called your people, brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray that we too can rejoice. We too can worship you. Stand with me, if you would.
God bless you. We'll see you uh, Friday 